Would you say that? Brother Alviar, preach to me today. God bless Thank you, Elder Riggin. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. I hope you're not tired of me saying this, but I greet you in the name of Jesus, Amen. which is still the only name yeah. under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I can feel his presence in this place today. Hallelujah. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen, amen. Praise God. And uh, I want to say uh, how much I appreciate Elder Riggin. He, he doesn't know uh, how much it means to us to be uh, invited to come and speak to all of you. Uh, this is a sacred desk. And uh, you don't just put anybody behind a sacred desk. And uh, I appreciate his trust and faith in me. I don't, I don't know that we ever met before, before this week. I think I've seen him, uh, but I don't think we actually had the opportunity to meet. And uh, I appreciate trust that he's had in allowing us to come and treated us like kings. And uh, we have really, really thoroughly enjoyed our time here and uh, well, there's, there's more I'll say, but I'll probably say it tonight. But, um, I went to the room last night, and uh, when I came here, I, I told my dad this. He asked how I felt about the services, and uh, I felt like the Lord had laid some specific things on my heart. And uh, Last night I went to the room and, and I began to kind of second guess it, if you will. But this morning when I woke up, I felt the Lord really dealing with my heart directly on some things that he had placed there before. And so I have come to preach what I feel the Lord has laid on my heart. Amen. I, I am afraid of ever going to the pulpit and not having a word from the Lord. And, and I know you could get up here and you could preach doctrine, you could preach faith, you could preach messages from the word of the Lord, and it would still be the word of the Lord, but I want to hear from him, praise the Lord, and, and, and I, I really sincerely feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart for this morning's service, praise the Lord. If you will turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, um, let's begin reading with verse number 8. The Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and, of, and him as good as dead, 
so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Amen. I like the end of verse 8. The Bible says he obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you my title. It may not make much sense right now, but I'm going to speak to you for a little while this morning on moments of clarity. Moments of clarity. Can you lift your hands and ask God to have his way in this place? Jesus of scripture that we read for our text today is taken of course from Hebrews chapter 11 which has often been referred to as faith's hall of fame or the roll call of the heroes of faith and in this chapter we find the names and acts of people who operated on the basis of faith itself uh, not out of tangible evidence, not out of physical proof, but out of faith, praise the Lord. And uh, we find in the Gospels where Jesus called the people of that day a faithless generation. And if Jesus could call the folks of that day a faithless generation, I believe we really could call our generation a faithless generation. Uh, these folks in Hebrews chapter 11, they set the high water mark, so to speak, uh, of those that lived for God, that obeyed his word with very little to trust on. Uh, and, and they died, as the verse we read said, not having received the promise. Praise the Lord. And so they, they lived for God on faith. And I began to read this passage of scripture and I felt the Holy Ghost begin to deal with my heart about what it was that these heroes hung their faith upon. What hook it was, so to speak, uh, that they hung their faith upon. Uh, let's begin uh, by considering Abraham. Uh, we find uh, his introduction in scripture is in Genesis chapter number 11. Uh, the Bible records that his father Terah had moved his family out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldees to a city called Haran. Uh, uh, and it is here in Haran that uh, Abram is living with uh, his nephew Lot and his father Terah. And while he is there, 
he hears a voice of the Lord begin to speak to him. And it's recorded in Genesis chapter 12. If you listen closely to what he says here. He says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. I, I wanna give you some points this morning to consider. And these are very important points here. First of all, uh, Abram was 75 years old when God spoke to him the first time. He didn't hear from God every day. He didn't live in some ethereal environment where every action was ordered by the commandment of the Lord. I am amazed at the number of charismatic individuals who claim they hear from God about what shade of color of car they should buy. Uh, but this man hadn't heard from God not the first time until he was 75 years old. He was not a young man by any stretch, even for those days. And, and he was on up in years when God spoke to him. But I want you to consider another thing about this passage of scripture that I just read to you. Uh, when God spoke to Abram, he gave him at once a wide range of instruction. He told them first the short-term goal, get, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. He gave him some mid-range direction. He said, go unto a land that I will show thee. And then he gave him a long-term promise. He said, I will make of thee a great nation. There would be several occasions throughout Abram uh, or Abraham as he would later be known. There'd be occasions in his life that God would speak to him and God would talk to him. But I want you to know that he never heard anything different than what he heard in Haram. He would hear words that would reinforce. He would hear words that would supplement what he had already been told. And outside of these three commandments he heard, no new word. And these commandments would give him direction and it would provide for him moments of clarity of what he had already been told in Haran. Amen. Let me just stop here and say today, if you ever heard the message of the gospel one time, you've heard enough to keep you for the rest of your days. Well, praise the Lord. If you hear the voice of the Lord one time, you've heard enough from God to live on that for the rest of your life. Amen. In fact, God would speak to him very few times in the course of his life. Uh, after leaving Haran, he would immediately have another experience from God telling him that he would give him the land and Abram built an altar. But the next time he would hear from God would be after that he had divided himself from Lot. He didn't hear God say, separate yourself. 
They just had a, a, a mix-up between the shepherds uh, that were uh, in over their flocks, and, and they couldn't get along, and they had some problems. And so uh, Abraham speaks to Lot. They decide which way they're going to go. And it is after the most that Abram turns away that he hears from the Lord the second time. And then he hears God clarify the direction and the location of the land that he was to possess. He would next hear from God after that he had vanquished the four kings. He clarified then that Abram's heir would, would indeed come from his own bowels and not from his chief servant. And next, uh, Abram was 86 by the time he had Ishmael, but he would not hear from God until he was 99 when Ishmael was 13 years old, which is 24 years after he left Haran. And it is then that God would change his name to Abraham, meaning father of many nations. And then he clarified that Ishmael was not the son of promise, and that his promised lineage would come through Sarai, whose name was also changed to Sarah. And it was uh, her who was also 90 years old at the time. And this message would be repeated a short time later uh, when uh, uh, three figures, three individuals appear unto Abraham while on their way to destroy Sodom. The very next time Abraham hears from God would be when he was commanded to take Isaac and to take him and offer him on Mount Moriah. After testing him, God would clarify that it would be through Isaac that God would indeed multiply his seed as the stars of the heaven. And this is the last recorded communication between God and Abraham. Mighty small hooks to hang faith upon. Well, praise the Lord. A lifetime of faith, a lifetime of obedience, a lifetime of walking for God, and yet he is in the hallmark of faith because he had moments of clarity and he hung, he hung his faith upon them. Praise the Lord. He heard from God maybe a, a, a main four times and each one of them just clarified what he had heard the first time in Haran. When he died at the age of 175, it would be 100 years after he heard from the Lord the first time in Haran. And these 100 years of living the Lord, for the Lord, he lived it faithfully until the point that he is now called the father of the faithful. Right. Consider the man named Moses, who the first mark of change in his life comes when after he is born, or around the time he is born, there is a decree that is issued by Pharaoh saying to kill the firstborn of all the Israelites. And his mother uh, hides, no doubt has him in the field and hides him, uh, uh, tried to hide him as long as she can until she can no longer do so. And she builds an ark out of bulrushes and sends his sister Miriam with him uh, uh, and places him in the Nile River. And who should come along? But it would be the daughter of Pharaoh himself. And he is an infant here, Moses is. And then he goes to live with her in her house. And there he is raised up to be a mighty man. Some historians believe that he was probably and likely a general in Pharaoh's armies. And that he won great battles before his name 
was to be stricken. Uh, once he is grown, he is approximately 40 years old uh, and he sees an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew. He kills the Egyptian and he hides him in the sand and he looks around no doubt thinking that he got by him. But the next day, as he's walking around, he sees two Hebrews striving with each other. And the Hebrews chastise him and say, are you gonna kill us as well? And then he realizes that he is in trouble and he takes off to hide from Pharaoh and he lands in the area of Midian and he stays there for another 40 years, praise the Lord. And he is 80 years old when he is walking down through some valley somewhere and he looks up on the mountain and sees a bush on fire and as he watches it no doubt expecting it to be consumed or the fire even to spread he notices that the bush is not consumed and so he goes up there and you know the story how that he hears from God a great direction and great clarity in his life and it takes him from being some shepherd in the wilderness to leading the people of God out of the land of Egypt. But I want you to notice that in spite all of the time that Moses is given direction concerning the exodus of the people of Israel from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, even being able to see the hinder parts of the Lord's glory, which I believe was the history that enables him to write the book of Genesis. But but in all of this, all of this direction, the law itself and all that it provided and set forth from there forward, Moses received very little personal clarity from God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. I want you to know today that to be used of God, you must be willing to accept that you may be used to help God give other folks moments of clarity when you yourself are without. Hallelujah. Amen. He received no more moments of clarity personally until uh, uh, he strikes the rock the second time. And then the words of the Lord is, you are not going to enter into the promised land. Praise the Lord. That's the only time I can find from, from the moment that he is told to go deliver the people of God out of Egypt to the moment that he uh, hears the words of the Lord. That's the second moment of clarity that I can find where he hears the Lord give him some personal commandments and yet in the middle of that uh, Moses was a faithful leader he loved the people of God he stood even between them and the judgments of God he, he spoke the words of the Lord he hungered after God he received lots of direction for the people and as far as personal moments of clarity he did not have very many and yet in the middle of all that Moses was faithful so much so that he was called the meekest man, praise the Lord. Consider David, one of the most famous kings of Israel. His first moment of clarity comes when as a young boy, he is on the backside of the desert 
and he is, uh, he is playing uh, shepherd and, and he is there uh, tending to some sheep and, and, and uh, I believe from the other readings of the scriptures we can find and he was probably out there writing some psalms down and, and he was playing his harp and he was practicing with his sling but he didn't understand or know that while of all of this was going on uh, God was growing very displeased with Saul and so he sent uh, Samuel to go to David's house, to the house of Jesse. And it gets there and Samuel goes over and reviews the sons of Jesse. And he says, is there not another one there? And so they call out and a servant runs out to see and find David and fetches him and brings him back. Amen. I don't know how old he was when Samuel poured the anointing oil on his head. But suffice it to say he was very young. And it would be a long time from that point at which he was anointed king till there would be any more clarity in his life. He would stand up and slay the giant. He would be chased and hunted by Saul. He would live in the wilderness for many years before the next event would come. In fact, he would be 30 years old before he would be anointed king over Judah. And another seven and a half years would transpire before he would be king over all of Israel. Amen. He would become king, leader of Israel and he would receive direction concerning many things he would fight for the things of God. He would fight for Israel. He would take lands. He would vanquish the Philistines. He would be used mightily at the hand of God. But the next moment of personal clarity is when Nathan is standing there and he says David thou art the man. Thou art the man. And he says this son is going to die. And, but the next one is going to be the next king. He, he gives him some clarity in life. And so that's the next thing he hears. And, and uh, as far as I can tell by reading the scripture, there is not any other moment of uh, personal clarity in his life until Nathan shows back up and says, David, you're not going to build the temple. You can gather the pieces. You can get it ready for Solomon to build but you are not going to build the temple. He would later be deposed by his son Absalom. He would have uh, uh, lots of things transpire, but there would be no moment of clarity. Amen. When I read the Psalms, we mentioned them yesterday. I read in the uh, first Psalm for you how that he wrote about the word. He no doubt wrote about, uh, about worship and a lot of things. But, but if you read through the Psalms, if you read straight through them, you will find a lot of Psalms are written as prayers. Fifteen times David asks God the question, how long? Thirteen times David asks God, hear me. Seventeen times he asks God for help, and that's outside of the times he describes God as his help. Eleven times he asks God why. He did not have all the answers. He was living from moment of clarity to moment of clarity. He was operating on faith. In spite of all of this, he would be so faithful that even at the beginning of his life, he would be marked as a man after God's own heart. And to this day, we call him such because indeed he was. That he had small hooks that he hung his faith upon. Praise the Lord. I hope I'm not... I'm not messing with anybody's theology here today. Amen. But out, out of all of this, 
these few moments that they hung their faith upon. If you were to look through the remainder of Hebrews chapter 11 and examine the lives of the individuals there, you will find that not one of the men or women recorded in there had very more than just a couple moments of clarity in their life. They are faithful because when that moment of clarity came, they held onto it, they grasped it, and they marched forward from there until the next time God would speak to them. Amen. In fact, the author of the book of Hebrews was a man by the name of Paul. And he himself, no doubt, was a man who had very few personal moments of clarity. He is there persecuting who he believes to be heretics. When he's walking down a road to Damascus, and all of a sudden a bright light shines down from heaven. And it smites him with blindness. And he falls on the ground. And he says, who art thou, Lord? And the voice would come back and say, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And he would leave him with the direction to go and fight who the scripture would record as being Ananias to tell him what he needed to do. And from that moment, he obeyed Ananias. He was baptized. He received the Holy Ghost. He sat there for two years before he even began his ministry. And he operated under faith. And he operated giving people direction and hearing great wisdom from the Lord and speaking revelation into the lives of ourselves even today so many years later that as far as personal moments of clarity, Paul had very few. He would be sitting there with some sort of physical problem, some thorn in the flesh, and he asks the Lord to remove it from him. And he hears the Lord say, my grace is sufficient for thee. And Paul said, most most, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul, you don't get any clarity in that. You, you don't get to know why, Paul. You, you just get to walk by faith, praise the Lord. And so he, uh, he died, uh, just like he described here in, uh, in this book of the heroes of faith. He records that they died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Oh, hallelujah. We come to church and we worship the Lord and we hear the preaching and it gives us direction. But I want you to know today that there is very few moments of clarity in life where you see the why, where you understand the how. Is anybody hearing me here today? There are very few moments in life where you will see all the pieces fit together and you understand the whys. Most of us will die with a lot of questions that we will tell our friends and family when I get there. I've got some questions for the Lord. I've got some things I want to ask him. We will die with very few moments of clarity. But you know what? What we are doing here today is not walking based on some elevated level of reasoning and understanding and knowledge. We are walking by faith. I said we are walking by faith. Hallelujah. You can come to church and find direction. You can find help. You can find strength. But when it is all said and done and you walk out those doors, you've got to walk by faith. You've got to live by faith. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. The Bible says in Romans 1, 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You're going to have to accept that there are just some things you're not going to have the answer to until you make it all the way to glory. Well, praise the Lord. I've seen folks get impatient with God. They want to know why so bad that they'll even walk out on God because they don't know the whys. Oh, hallelujah. There are moments of clarity. There are moments of understanding that we hang our faith upon and we grasp to them just like these heroes of faith did. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I said we hang our faith upon them. Amen. I, I thought of Isaiah today, standing here in the sanctuary. I thought of Isaiah. Isaiah 6 and 9, he said, Go and tell this people, the Lord told him, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. He said, Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord... How long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. Such a powerful experience he had there where he saw the uh, wonderful scene of the Lord sitting high upon his throne, high and lifted up, his train filled the temple, the seraphims flying about shouting, Holy! Holy is the Lord God until the posts of the door were moved with the voice of them that cried. But the end result of that was he was given a direction to preach until the land was desolate. To preach until the cities were wasted. To preach until the inhabitants were wiped away. I'm here to tell you today a lot of things you experience in life will leave you asking the question why. But it is not our, our right to understand everything that happens. But it is our duty to walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, I want to remind you today, there may be some folks here who think, what a depressing message. I'm trying to instill faith into somebody's heart today to know that you may have to live without some answers to some of your questions, but it is not your right to understand the whys. It is your duty to walk by faith. It is your duty to come on Thursday night. It's your duty to come on Sunday morning and Sunday night. It's your duty to read your Bible and pray every day and fast and seek the will of God and it's your duty to live for him even when you don't understand the wise you must say Lord I will walk by faith oh praise the Lord you could easily lift your hands up to the Lord and shake your fist in his face say God I refuse to live for a God that won't give me the answers why. You know what? There may be times you have to go and speak to your pastor and him give you direction but not explain why. Oh, young person, you may have to go to him and say, is this the right one to marry? And him say, no, but not explain why. Well, praise the Lord. 
Young man, you may have to go to him and say, I got this great job offer. What do you think? And him pray about it and say, no, but I can't explain why. I don't know the whys. I don't know the answer. I'm telling you to walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, praise the Lord. Even the disciples, they had very few moments of clarity. They are standing there, and Jesus has just appeared in their midst after his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's standing there, and the Bible says, Then open he their understanding of the scriptures. There came a moment of clarity. From there, many of them would preach the gospel they had been heard, they'd heard and been taught to preach. And many of them would die martyrs of the faith. Oh, hallelujah, terrible and horrendous deaths. But you know what? They lived on a few moments of clarity. That moment when he, under, he opened their understanding. I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to live and walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you hearing me here today? Amen. Really, I, I don't feel in the Holy Ghost to take much longer. I'm just going to tell you today that, that you're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to have to accept that there's going to be things that you don't understand. Maybe the first moment of clarity for you came at an old-fashioned altar where you repented of your sins and God filled you with the Holy Ghost. And then you made a commitment to live for him all the rest of your days. And maybe that was your first moment of clarity. I remember when I got the Holy Ghost. Elder Riggin was talking this morning about those, those moments. And, and uh, I remember my grandfather had actually come and preached for us. It was a Sunday morning, July 15th, 1990. And he preached this message. He said, the purpose of the church is to save them that would believe. I was a seven-year-old boy sitting on the front row right at the middle. And I, I elbowed this, this kid who was eight years old sitting next to me. And he said, or I'm nine years old actually, sitting next to me. And I said, is the Holy Ghost for us? He said, no, I think it's for the adults. Praise the Lord. And I went home that day and I, I felt the Holy Ghost so strong. I went to my grandfather's room and he was sitting there. Uh, and, and I asked him, I said, Papa, uh, do you have, is the Holy Ghost for us? Can I get it as a seven-year-old boy? And he said, yes, he said, it's for all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that night, I didn't care what was preached. I didn't care what songs were sung. I knew the Holy Ghost was for me, and I had to get it. Oh, praise the Lord. I purposed in my heart. I was going to pray when it was time to pray with as much fervor as I could muster. I, when they said it was time to clap your hands, I was going to clap my hands as hard and as loud as I could. If they ran the aisles, I was going to run the aisles. If it was time for the preaching, I was going to say amen. But I purposed that when it came time for the altar call, I was going to run to the altar and I was going to seek the face of God. And that was moment of clarity number one for me. And I'm telling you, I've rested a lot of faith on that moment in time, on that hook. I've held on to that to this day. I will hold on to it to the day I die. That moment of clarity where I decided and the Lord called my heart and I, I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. From there, personally, I've had very few moments of clarity in my life. I'm not ashamed to say that. It's not a lack of faith to say that. 
The next time I felt the direction of the Lord was around the time I began to feel my call to preach. Some events happened, which strangely enough also included my grandfather. And, and uh, I felt the impression of the Lord on my heart. And I felt directed that I was going to preach the gospel. And I was going to do it as, uh, as uh, submitted to my pastor. You know, past that Elder Riggin, I have had no other moment of clarity. I am still serving as a minister in the local church. I'm still obeying the word of God. I'm still preaching the word. I'm still living for God. I'm raising my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But you know what? If the Lord never speaks to me again, I've got some hooks to hang my faith on. The Lord has answered some prayers. Amen. I've had lots of times where I needed direction and found direction but not known why. Amen. But I've got two moments of clarity. I'm holding on to. I'm hanging on to them. I've got lots of questions. I've got lots of fears. I've got a lot of events I'd like to ask the Lord about. But I've got some moments of clarity. I'm holding on to by faith. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I wish, I wish today I could say that moments of clarity came every service. But it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. I thought of Brother Bass in Florida. Brother Timothy Bass losing his 18-year-old son. How does that make any sense? He's, they're going to live the rest of their life wondering the reasons why. Hallelujah. They're going to have some questions to ask. But in the middle of it, they have seen tremendous revival. They have seen dozens of souls pray back through to the Holy Ghost. Backsliders who have been out away from God 15, 20, even 30 years walking back into the church being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may not understand it all. You may not understand the reasons why. But I'm here to tell somebody today, it's time to submit your questions to God in faith and just believe that if he never answers it, he has still done enough for you to live for him and walk by faith and hold on to those moments of clarity and say, I'm going all the way with Jesus just the same. Oh, praise the Lord. It would be easy today to just say, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, I, maybe I, I would like to rest on a God who gives more answers. But I can tell you this, there is no other God besides him. And they give no answers. They give no clarity. They, they have Confucius with his little snippets of wisdom and tidbits of, uh, uh, of good practical living, some of it. Amen. And so in the middle of all that, do you think that any of those folks have clarity? They don't have clarity. Oh, hallelujah. All they have is dry religion. Oh, hallelujah. If God speaks to you three or four times in your life and gives you clarity, you ought to hang on to that. You ought to hang on to that. Oh, praise the Lord. I, I, if I live long enough and I know some of you long enough, Amen. There may come a day when young folks here today are old and gray-haired with grandchildren sitting on their knee. 
Amen. And if you live that long, thanks be to God. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to have some faith. And you're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. You're not going to have a lot of answers to all of the big questions. But praise the Lord, there's enough to give him glory for already. Amen. Thank God for songs this morning that sang about what he's already done for me. If he's already saved you, if he's already healed you, if he's already delivered you, that is enough for you to hang your faith upon and say, if God never gives me enough the answer in my life I'm going to live for him just the same 1st John 5 and 4 records for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith no matter what may come oh hallelujah this is, this is probably not the most popular message I've ever preached, but I'm here to tell you today, it's necessary to learn to walk by faith. Oh, praise the Lord. Just a few moments of clarity. You read through this chapter, chapter 11, you read of them. Oh, hallelujah. You can read uh, that others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourging, shame moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not want worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I'm here to tell you, if you have the Holy Ghost, you have something more than these folks ever could ever see. Yeah, hallelujah. They yearn for something like what you've got. Hallelujah. They yearn for Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm here to tell you, if you've got it, you've got a hook you can hang your faith upon. You've got a moment of clarity you can lean upon. Somebody comes to the music this morning. Hallelujah. I have read and heard of preachers have grown disgruntled. Even lost their faith because they could not see the wise not find answers I've got a lot of questions elder. I've got a lot of questions and yet in the middle of all that sometimes you feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost and you preach a message that saves people's lives and it's not you it's God and when you're done you feel just the same lack of understanding about the situations going on there are few moments of clarity but if you could just learn to commit to God your unanswered questions and say, God, I'm going to live by faith. Praise the Lord. Church, will you stand? Lift your hands. Somebody bow your head and talk to the Lord right now. Oh, come on. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Church, I have seen older saints pass from this life. children. Some of them died with lost spouses. Some of them died with a lot of unanswered questions. But at that moment, they were not ashamed to say they live for God by faith. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's somebody today, maybe you've become angry with God over not being able to see the wise the answers to your prayers just yet. You don't understand why you've had to go through something. Maybe it's been a protracted trial, a long-standing tribulation. You don't understand the whys. I wonder if there's somebody here today who would be willing to say, Lord, if I don't know, if I haven't heard your voice, give me clarity and tell me why times I've asked you why like David you could say I will still praise him yet will I praise him yet will I praise him yet will I walk by faith oh praise the Lord is there somebody here today who would say Lord I'm going to commit my unanswered questions to you today I don't know the answers. I don't know the reasons. I don't understand why I had to go through this or that. I don't understand why I've had to put up with this pain and heartache. But I'm going to walk by faith. Oh, you may even want to commit to God. Lord, I'm going to quit asking questions. I'm going to quit asking why. Hallelujah. You've already been so good to me. You've already answered so many things. You've already helped me in so many ways. Oh, I'm going to quit asking why. I'm going to walk by faith. You need to look back in your life to those moments of clarity and hang on to them. And say, Lord, you gave me the Holy Ghost. You separated me from this filthy world. And I'm going to live for you no matter what. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Make a commitment to God. Make a commitment to God. No matter what, God, I'm going to walk by faith. Hallelujah. Lift your voice, church. Talk to the Lord today. Hallelujah.
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I think it would be safe to say that today's message has been a moment of clarity. You know, at some point in our lives, we have to reach that level of trust where God doesn't have to come along and encourage us every time we come to church. We're just going to make up our minds. We're going to do what we know we need to do. And be thankful for those times when he does speak to us. But if he never speaks again, we can die in the faith. Because we've heard enough, we've felt enough, we know enough to be saved. I must confess, I've been guilty. I've been guilty of going to a meeting and saying, oh God, speak to me, please speak to me. And when I think about it, the times that I have walked away saying God spoke to me, really, all he did was reinforce what he'd already said. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate him reinforcing it. But you know, really, we shouldn't have to have that reinforcement all the time. God doesn't change his mind. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Whatever he said before, he still means it today. Well, I tell you, I, I feel encouraged by this message. I, I, I've told the Lord, kneeling down to pray after, after he finished preaching, God, I thank you. I, You've spoken, you've spoken clearly what you're going to do for us, what you're going to do in this assembly. Your promises have been clear. And I know you haven't changed your mind. And if you never say it again, I know what's going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know what will happen because you've spoken it. We may not have a house full today, but we will. We will. We will. Because all of the promises of God are yea and amen. This is an immutable thing, an unchangeable thing, that it is impossible for God to lie. Not only is it impossible for God to lie, but that fact doesn't change. God will never be able to lie. 
So whatever he said, whatever he said, you can count on it. You can count on it. And you can hang on to it. Amen. I, I know, I know that there have been times I've had pastors call me. Say, I'm thinking about leaving. I'm thinking about resigning. I'm thinking about moving on. One of the things that I've learned to ask them is, well, has God spoken to you? Did God send you where you are? Yes. Has God told you to leave there? No. Well, then I wouldn't leave until God says leave. You hang on to what God said the last time he spoke. And you just keep walking in what he spoke to you then. And wait until he speaks again before you make another move. Or before you change directions or before you do something else. You, you let God. You just keep walking in the last moment of clarity you had. And trust in God that when he's ready for that to change, he'll tell you. Until then, you just keep walking. Well, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Alviar. Thank you for obeying God today. Amen. That's what I want. That's what I want in a preacher. I, 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 I was talking to some of the younger guys the other day, and I said, you know, I... Honestly, I hate I hate going and preaching meetings and conferences, not like, you know, I'm a highly sought-after conference preacher because that's certainly not the case. But the few times that I've been asked to do it, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. It's because there's a certain expectation that the people have for those kinds of times. And I feel pressure. I feel a pressure to produce a certain thing. But I like to be able just to step into a church and just do whatever I feel. If I feel like God wants me to teach a Bible study, that's what I'm going to do. And I appreciate a man that will just come in and do what he feels like God wants him to do. And not worry about the pressure, not worry about trying to impress anybody. And I'm going to tell you what, that's what Brother Alviar has done. He has just followed the Holy Ghost every service. We've heard the voice of the Lord appreciate it very, very much. Looking forward to tonight's service. Amen. I, I, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do tonight. Amen. Praise God. I want you to come in faith. I want you to come early. Let's 